All right, welcome to Black Mesa Radio with your hosts, Chase, Nate, Seth, and Josh. Today we're going to be talking about space, mortality, and everything in between. So here we go. Mortality is essentially what everyone has to deal with in their daily life. Most people... Most people. For now. No, no, no. Most people drone through life not thinking about it, unfortunately. It's like, I'm always going to be alive, but until you actually start getting older or you're faced with a dire situation, you don't even think about death or what it is to actually be alive. Yeah, that's true. I would agree. Some people, when they get on that cusp of death, they say that only then did they really feel alive. And that's kind of what I want to talk about. I think it's interesting. What I mean, what is life itself? Who are we? We talked last week about are we merely physical beings or are we more than that? Do we stem from a consciousness? Are we human or are we dancers? Close more these are the questions. Dancer. I don't think you got the joke, Chase. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Chase got a joke. I get I get jokes. Anyways. <laughs> anyway, continue, please. Why do we persist in the reality that we're just material beings? I'm of the I'm of the mindset that we are uh stemming from something more than that, that somebody quoted that we our mind is our antenna and that it's just kind of receiving our our fullness, our mind, our spirit. Whatever it is. Yeah. So are you I heard, talking I think more I heard Graham Hancock say that? I just want to give him hmm. credit. Are you thinking more like quantum consciousness or are you thinking more about something else, like a like fourth dimension type stuff? Or what are you thinking about? No, I I'm stemming more from a quantum consciousness, not like Okay. Is everyone connected? That kind of thing. Yeah, actually, is everyone connected, I think is a is a good question for it. Well, I mean that Rupert Sheldrake guy, he talks about what he calls morphic resonance. And I don't know how it works. He wrote a book on it that I haven't read yet. What did you say it was called? It Morphic Resonance. Morphic Resonance. And basically, like, there's this phenomenon. I think we, I actually think we talked about it last week, where, uh, like, somebody will learn how to do something, and then someone else will also learn how to do it, like, or about the same time. Yeah, we time. talked about Newton with calculus, and you yeah. guys said that somebody else did, but I still haven't figured out who that other person was. Oh, uh, I have it. Hang even, on. Uh, even animals will do it. Like, they'll teach rats how to do something, and then, like, rats in, like, other places completely unrelated to these rats will, like, start exhibiting the same behavior, like, kind of out of nowhere. And I think it uh, kind of speaks to the interconnectedness of living beings, which I, I really do believe in. At, at risk of sounding like a hippie or something, I think I really do believe in that. Hey, Josh. Isn't there some kind of psychological, I don't know if it's a disorder or what it is, where somebody will suddenly be speaking a different language? I mean, okay, so there are instances of people suffering traumatic brain injuries and then suddenly knowing another language, um, the most noted of which is, oh, God, I read a study on him last week. Um, that's always convenient. Have you noticed that, like, last week when we did the podcast, everybody was like, oh, yeah, I was looking this up the other day, and it was always something related. Anyway, so last week... Um, I was looking up this guy's situation. I can't remember his name, but essentially he suffered a traumatic brain injury, and then he could speak fluent Mandarin afterwards. And he'd never studied it. They don't know. They don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. Um, but so there is a yeah, it can happen. I don't know what it's called. I'll look well, it up. And that just it just makes me kind of think of that. That how is something like that possible with a person who's never had any kind of exposure or teachings in that language suddenly have the ability to speak it so fluently? There would definitely just a, have just to a brain be injury. a metaphysical outlet of our own being. Like, we are beyond this physical system. If somehow we're connected, 
beyond space and time itself because he never had that experience. So yeah, no, but this, but somehow he knew the language. God, <laughs> it's sad we're going to video games already. Um, Gottfried Liebens is the guy who um is considered the other father of calculus. The one awesome, who, I'm gonna have to look that up. Um, the stepfather of calculus. The stepfather. The calculus has two dads, guys. Could be so. Uh, could be I'm not so saying this. <laughs> Uh, no. Continue, Chase. So, what, how are we getting uh, into video like, games? What do you mean? Assassin's Creed starts off with the assumption that this guy has his ancestors' memories locked inside his DNA. Genetic memory? Yeah, genetic memory. Yeah. Intolerant, that's the word I'm looking for. Go ahead. Oh, thank you. I'm intolerant. <laughs> I just kind of trailed off. We know that. I'm sorry. That was a stupid interruption. Should... Could this be some type of ancestral memory that somewhere down the line that he had a uh, Mandarin father or mother? great, 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 whatever, and that he is just recalling that somehow his screws got knocked loose and wires switched? Well, yes and no, but like reason that that wouldn't be valid is because it wasn't any kind of ancient form of Mandarin. It was modern oh. Mandarin. Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't have to be ancient necessarily either. It could, I mean, a generation isn't that, that long ago. Well, have you seen what English was like, you yeah. know, in the... 200 years ago. Yeah, 200 years ago was well, a lot different. it wouldn't have to be 200 years ago either. If for it to be like he would know if he had a Mandarin relative that far back, I'm oh, sure. Hilarious. So here's the article. They probably did that research. Okay, it says um, his name was Ben McMahon. Um, he went to a coma after a car crash, and he spoke English. When he woke up, he spoke only fluent Mandarin. Um, although the Australian man had taken Mandarin in high school, okay, so we were wrong there, um, he was never fluent, and doctors are still trying to figure out exactly what capacity he lost to lose English and suddenly um, no Mandarin. Does he speak um, his English, English spills, spills? His English skills... Did return, it says, and suddenly became the best non-native speaker his Mandarin pals had ever heard. God, I hope I get hit in the head like that. We can arrange and that. I can remember Latin. You just want to get. What? You want to get hit in the head? Keep going. <laughs> Talk more. You now. Speaking of traumatic brain injuries causing stuff like that, there was this. This was back in like the seventies, early eighties. Kid was playing baseball, little league baseball, and he got hit in the head uh, by by a hit by a. A ball. A ball? ball. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, he was in the outfield and he got hit. And suddenly when he woke up, when he regained consciousness, he could suddenly play the piano. He was suddenly a musical and mathematical genius. Huh. And so they had no idea why. accidents are real. Yeah. Well, yeah, it begs the question, do we have all of the knowledge we'll ever need plugged into us? So my grandpa thinks that everything on the internet was downloaded into his phone. Um, not the grandpa you guys know, the other one. Um, because he just got a new phone, a smartphone, and he thinks it's amazing. But he thinks that every, everything that he ever looks up is just in the phone. Oh, like Google and stuff? Yeah. He thinks that it's all there already. Pictures, someone yeah. preloaded them in. That's so, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what if we are walking, talking Rolodexes? What if all the information humanity could ever need is up here, but it's blocked off? And I'm not going into the whole, you only use 10% of your brain, because that's not true. You use 100% of your brain. I don't it's know. Not there all. was a movie recently. God, that makes me so just, mad when I still see that going around. That we only use 10% of our brains, and that was disproven. It's just... Time and time again disproven. You use all of your brain, just not necessarily all at the same time. And it's not even like a 10% limit in any yeah. fashion. I don't know but where they got that number. They got it from experiments on rats. They did these experiments, and turns out the rats really didn't use their cortex, which is what we use all the time. Turns out rats are dumb. Wait, who, so who rats have a neocortex? It? They just don't use it? Yeah, it, they really don't use it like we do. Well, my question is... Which accounted for about 90% of their brain mass. But most of their activity was coming from their, their more basic functions like their brainstem. Oh, okay. That's crazy. So well, I mean, no, your brainstem is where 
most non-sentient right. animals think. Like, you can cut a chicken's head off. As long as you leave the brainstem, that chicken will live and walk around and stuff. And you have to feed it through, like, a little eyedropper down its throat hole. But it lives. Because most animals, the brainstem is where everything happens. But with us, we have this big old brain that we can do stuff with and experience emotion and critical think and we're self-aware. But my question is, awesome. yeah. My question is, you know, when, for instance, the guy learning Mandarin, the kid getting hit with a baseball, what happens there? Is, do we just have everything pre-plugged in and we just don't know how to access it? And then those jolts cross wires and it's like, oh, it makes sense. Or is it more of a thing to where you have recessive memory traits that suddenly become fully accessed. Like, say I fall asleep several times through a Spanish class in high school, but then I get a brain injury and suddenly all that makes sense because it was listening subconsciously. Based upon that guy's Mandarin story, that's that was my first inclination that he had that information stored, it just, he couldn't access it properly. So latent memories? But what about, yeah. what about the kid? Because he'd never played any music in his life, he'd never touched a piano. Uh, I would be curious to find out if someone else around him did. Because if someone around him, you know, played piano or something like that, he may have been, it may be the same thing where he was hearing it in the background, like his mom giving his little sister piano lessons or something like that. That's a possibility. I think that's really cool, though. And it reminds me of the people who can remember every single detail of their life. Like, they remember every date, they remember what they wore on that date, what they did, every book that they've read. What was that, that also comes from brain injuries. What's it called? Sometimes. Endemic memory? Endemic memory. Yeah, like, I don't know, would I want that or not? Um, the couple studies that I've read about it, and the one YouTube interview I watched, this lady said that she hated it. Your brain naturally deletes things that don't matter, and her brain doesn't do that because it's broken. Uh, and so, remembering everything all the time would be really annoying. There's a book called uh, Moonwalking with Einstein that's all about memory and how it works and stuff. Michael uh, Jackson and Einstein. <laughs> well, uh, there's, there's a guy that he talks about in the book who worked for a newspaper, I think it was. And he, like, did interviews with people and stuff like that. But, he like, he never used a pen and paper. And, like, when they told him, like, they, all, they had, like, a meeting every day to, like, talk about what they were going to do and stuff like that. And at the meetings, like, he never wrote anything down. And people, his, like, coworkers were, like, pretty amazed, you know, by him because, like, he just could remember. Like, he just had a really good memory for whatever reason. And the problem that he had was that because his – the reason he was able to remember everything is because, like, Whatever it is in your brain that, like, prioritizes information, like, that part of his brain was, like, faulty. Like, it didn't work. And so he had a hard time distinguishing between, like, what was important information and what wasn't. And so, like, actually, you know, he could remember a lot of crap, but he had a hard time figuring out, like, what was supposed to be important and what wasn't. Because that part of his brain just didn't work. I'm the exact opposite. I can't remember anything that's, like, nitty-gritty details, but I'm like, what am I supposed to do something? That's about it. That's all Yeah, you that's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like, uh, you were talking, you were talking about like latent, like memories or like yeah. maybe you were, I don't remember. One of, we both were. I, I definitely believe in that because, or I don't know if I believe in that to that degree, but like there's a huge amount of information that's like up in my brain that I just don't have access to ever until someone says something. Like the other day I was talking to my sister and I don't remember what it was, but she like told part of a story. She's like, remember when I did this? And I was like, No. And then she gave me another detail, and I was like, oh, yeah. Like, And then I remembered all of it. And I, like, I told her everything that happened, and she was like, yeah, that. It's just crazy to me like how, inf how much information is up there that I, you just can't get to I unless you have like that. a prompt. I think that's so fascinating. And I really enjoy the diverse group of friends that we have because I get to see how somebody else's brain works. It's like, how can you remember whole conversations that we've had? I don't remember that conversation. You're quoting it verbatim, what we had, and everybody's agreeing with you. I'm like, okay. That's really cool, but 
some they just can't do mathematics. Like, like other people are always a mirror. I think it's an interesting concept that like you have to you have to be around other people. Like that's why it's important to like be social and have friends and stuff is because like other people are a mirror. There's like huge chunks of my life that I might forget. You know that I just I don't have access to that information unless I have a friend that was there that can like prompt the memory yeah. or whatever. And then I'm like, oh my god, and it just like comes back and it's just like flood of like emotion and stuff. But that would be totally lost. But to but like out. speaking of memory prompts, the fact that certain you know senses are tied to your memories. Specifically, yeah. smell. Oh yeah, you know, like you smell something like this. Olfactory senses versus, my, yeah, and then you you realize what it is, and it's dude, that's which triggers it's a cool. deeper part of your brain. It's not your uh, the surface part of your brain. It's like a a, a deeper, it's like the old part of your brain. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I like that. Okay, so I'm looking it up, and it says here that with our current knowledge of memory and the brain, humans are estimated to have somewhere around 100 terabytes. Of memory. In what portion? Like just their cortex? Just of, of memory in your brain. That's just what it says. Like storage space. Mm. What? I mean, you're trying to put something physical, like, I'm sorry, biological. Is that what it is? I thought it was more than that. Mm. I was reading something about AI the other day because they were, they were talking about like how much storage would be required to like replicate a human brain. And it was a pretty massive amount of storage. Or no, no, no. They were talking about processing power. My bad. That's different. Sorry. Well, if, way, if your brain worked like a digital video recorder, it says it would take 2.5 petabytes. Would be enough to hold... That's a lot of bytes. Yeah. Hold 3 million hours of TV shows. What's a petabyte? Petabyte is the one above a terabyte. Oh, okay. It molests so, young bytes. Wow. <laughs> wow. So my guess is... <laughs> my guess is that we don't really know. And that study was kind of flawed because it, went, it gave two different things. Because, I mean, if it's... If you're saying 100 petabytes, I'm sorry, 100 terabytes, and then the next sentence saying 2.5 petabytes, like clearly it's. PETA is PETA. Petabytes? It's spelled P E T A. But is it pronounced PETA? It's petabytes. Boom! I, like I love when I'm PETA. right and Chase is wrong. And I'm, so, I'm okay so with, you know. It's like seeing a unicorn throwing down PETA. <laughs> exactly. Oh, when Mary listens to this, she's going to go, yeah. <laughs> anyway. But with with the sense of smell, I've always found that interesting. Because, you know, you always walk into somewhere and you smell something and it just... This reminds me of when I was like five years old. Yeah, like, like exactly. I don't know like what that. it is, but I remember being five. That's yeah. all it is. Like, kind of like Nate said, this is the old part of your brain. I remember talking about cues that you have to have, Nathan, to remember certain things. I remember when I was a kid, I was... My parents really pushed me into competitions, specifically uh, for Royal Rangers going around having to memorize how to tie knots, memorizing Bible verses, memorizing God knows what. I can't even remember. But whenever they would ask me to quote something, and they'd be like, state the biblical address, like, can I have the first word? And if I got that first word, I could do the whole thing. Yeah. And I remember I got to nationals. And every time before, like, they'd give me the first word. And I, yeah, got this. And when I got to nationals, I was like, shoot, I can't remember this specific one. Can I have the first word? They're like, uh, no. This is Nationals. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, ah, uh, I only got, I think I got like fourth place and I was so pissed. Yeah. Ah. Uh, I went to Nationals once and I didn't even get like close to fourth. Dude, <laughs> I don't think I, I ever hated, went to Nationals. I hated Ranger of the Year, dude. I hated it I did so too. Bad. I really I did. never wanted to go. Me and Ditton every single year would end up going to one of us would go to district and then one would go to state and then one would usually go to nationals. I think this shows whose parents were more controlling. Mine. 
know. I don't know. You don't know. <laughs> I hated standing in front of those judges, though, man. That is like hell to me. Like, oh god. I just remember I had an old man. I'm never gonna make a kid do something like that. Yeah. I had an old man. It, it was uh the the verse he asked me to quote was uh, "Children obey your parents, for this is right." And I quoted that, and he goes, "I'm sorry, that's incorrect." And I was like, "What?" And he said, In the "He's Lord. like, no." He was like, the, "He's like, you left off." So saith the prophets. He's like, "I only accept King James." <laughs> and the other two judges just kind of looked at him, and they were like, "We we won't we don't have to deduct points for that." And he was like, "No," and he deducted points, and I lost by like six points. What? I was so mad. Oh my god! He also took a point off because there was a scuff on my belt. From that day, I was really mad. Oh my gosh, my brother went to nationals. He's a couple of years older than me, the same time that I went uh, for my second time. But my brother had a scuffed belt, and they said that that was enough to drop him from first place to second place. If he hadn't had a scuffed belt, he would have won. And Larry Little was so mad at himself. He was our commander. He was so mad that he didn't just grab a new belt for him. My brother could have been, like, number one in the nation for pioneers. <laughs> And my uh, my brother took it really well. He like really doesn't care, or at least he doesn't cry about it in front of me. And he cries about it at night. Really? He weeps about it in his sleep. <laughs> what we think things right would have been different. I'm like first place. No doubt. There's going to be a lot of people out there that are just clueless right now. Royal Rangers is almost like Boy Scouts, but like churches do it. It's Boy Scouts, but you also memorize the Bible. Yeah. But actually, it's more Boy Scouts. Yeah. Well, at least it was when we were doing it. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of camping, a lot of just you know building fires. Dude stuff. Dude stuff. Also, Tomahawks and knives and bow and arrows. Making, I said making fires already, Stuffing people into their own trunks. Cooking outside. And the competition that we're talking about is the competition that they used to do once, it was once a year, right? Yeah, yeah. Where it was like Ranger of the Year. It was like, who's the best Ranger? Who can memorize the most crap and look the best? And like, that's literally all it was. Compete. It was like, I could start a fire. I won National FCF for starting a fire. I tied for a national record on starting a fire. Yeah. And then I also won nationals for uh, tomahawk throw, but none of that was ever tested. It was like, how much can you memorize? Yeah. It was memorization and not tying. That's what I remember from it. <laughs> this is such an tying. this is such an esoteric conversation. It is like so, no ninety percent no, 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 of people have a, no well, idea. We were, we're talking, talking about. about memories, and yeah. suddenly the floodgates opened, and we started remembering Re- rangers, reminiscing with my good old boys. That's well, because it's something that we all you know experienced. One way or another, there's gonna be there's gonna be one person out there listening. He's going, oh, I was in Roll Rangers, <laughs> and I think a lot of people probably have a thing like that from when they were a kid, where they were like stood up in front of people, and it's like, all right, now you have to like do this. Well, right? the most common would be spelling these because for those of you who had very domineering do parents, this is for you. Parents we're talking dumb. about this competition when your parents told you you got to do it. Ours weren't too dominating, I wouldn't say. A little <laughs> bit, but it's mostly just dad saying, come on, we're going to go work outside for six and a All half hours. All I remember hours. is your dad saying, y'all going to rip your head off if you don't do this. He did that one, t- one time to a kid. He ripped he his head ripped off. Ripped his head off. Oh my Clean God. off. I'm saying this on our podcast that no one's going to listen to, so he won't go to jail. His name is Rocky Skernage. We're going to get some his address is, Somebody needs to get him. <laughs> we don't know where the kid is. <laughs> Anyways, so So, how this plays into trying to figure out the mind and how that really plays into who we are, what is life. The mind being the most studied aspect right now. We've kind of gotten down who we are, other physically, by anatomy, but we're really studying the mind right now. Dude, the brain is the most important organ, so says the brain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I read a thing that said the brain is the most complex thing in the universe, according to the human brain. 
that just blew my mind, right? Uh, you don't have anything to say. Yeah, I think that's why this is a weird jump. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but Do I it. think that's why there might not ever be a solution to the human problem. Is because like it's humans, like it would be a human solution to the human problem. And it's like maybe you need something else for that. Oh yeah, uh, mathematically speaking, you have to be outside the problem. Aliens. Speaking of aliens, I just thought this is pretty interesting. I was I read an article on Reddit, pyramid asking. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like asking if aliens ever did come to Earth, and they sent us their first message, what would be the most terrifying thing for them to say to us? Oh, nice. And the number one one was, help us. Oh, dude, that oh, would man. be terrifying. Mm. This pretty terrifying. Oh, shut up, Josh. No, I'm just saying, I think the scarier thing would be, it's My just... better. No, 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 no. My thought, <laughs> My thought would be, if the only message that we received was, it's just you and us. Or, it's just you and us now. Or, I'm no, so yeah, now, at now, on the end of that... It is down to you, and it is down to me. Or worse, <laughs> tell us what to do. We're so sorry. Who? We would, too. We would tell them. We would be like, oh, this is, this is your next step right here. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And we'd like, try to fix all their problems. That's you got to be do. just like humanity. We First got it thing, all figured out. Oil. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what? We were using the sun. And we were like, no, the sun? What? <laughs> that, that's not a renewable resource. <laughs> that's going to go out in a you couple billion die years. die in like a billion years, right? Or maybe theirs won't be. Maybe they'll. Maybe they're. Maybe they got like fifty years left on theirs. I don't know. But oh. just oh, remember when we talked about uh, what the mind is, and possibly like why haven't we figured out other beings out there? If there's so many of them out there, uh, statistically speaking, why have we never found any? The Fermi paradox. Yeah. And Josh, I think it was you who brought up the fact that maybe there are such complex beings out there that we can't even. That was Nathan. But yeah. Oh, sorry, Nathan. We can't even comprehend them communicating Actually, that was to Neil us. It's some um, whoever, whoever said it. I don't Nate care anymore. <laughs> we gotta get, we gotta give the right people credit. Dog. We don't want to get sued. I don't think Neil deGrasse Tyson would sue us. No, He'd he just wouldn't. make us not a planet anymore. I'm sure more than one person said. It. I was just saying who brought it up on the podcast. Neil deGrasse Tyson is not the originator of this idea. Neil deGrasse. No, he probably didn't. Yes, well, nailed he might the not have this idea, but I just I just show about teenagers. Anyway, yes, shut up, Seth. He was anyway. Continue talking, Jace. I don't even know what I was going to say. I'm so angry right now. Complex organisms that we can't even cover. Oh. We can't perceive the existence of other aliens because they're so much bigger than us. They're so, they're on a higher plane. They're in the fourth dimension. That kind of thing. Yeah, uh, effectively so. In that, with their being so much more complex, they have this mental capability that is beyond this physical realm. They're in. Maybe the 5th, 6th, 7th, maybe all the way to the 10th dimension that they live in. Now it's, that's so far away from us, like where we experience everything, you know? Isn't that possible? Like, Wouldn't it be interesting that scientists say we live in these four dimensions and they're like, oh yeah, but this is, this is everything. They say it's only the physical world that we live in, but they still quote you six other dimensions that are unknowable directly, but we don't exist in them and nothing exists in them. They're just, they're just there. Nothing's out there. This is it. This is all it is. It's just feeding you so much garbage, I feel like. My thought is, if okay, I don't think anything just exists for no reason, except for maybe mosquitoes. Ah, so we're getting um, into the purpose debate. Uh-oh. I'm not trying to debate anything. I'm just I saying... I agree on mosquitoes. That mosquitoes exist for no reason? I think we can all come yeah. under that umbrella of agreement. Yeah. Um, anyway, with the exception of mosquitoes, I would say that nothing exists for no reason. So if there are other dimensions out there, which they're, you know... You know, you if know. we actually get followers... There's going to be somebody in the comments like, mosquitoes are very important. Ecologists have oh, proven sure. that eliminating mosquitoes completely 
would have no measurable impact. Never mind. On the we don't need somebody commenting. We have Seth to ruin our conversation. That's what happens. You know that. That's we what he's here that for. For the whole time. The whole reason he's here is to ruin. Conversations. I'm a ruiner. <laughs> anyway, so nothing exists for no reason, in my opinion. This is just my opinion. Maybe whatever. So many opinions in this room. Opinions. So. Opinion would. Those other dimensions have to be filled with something. You know, I've heard people say joke. that maybe it's, I didn't hear you. Maybe it's gravity. Maybe that's where we get gravity from because we don't understand it. Maybe that's where time comes from. It's bleeding over from another dimension. Maybe it's Cthulhu. Maybe it's Cthulhu, the Dark Lord. Who knows? This sitting has in his nothing home of relay. to do with our mental state right now. Cthulhu but I learned something this week because, and I, I want to say this because I have never believed in dark matter since it was talked about. It makes no freaking really? sense. You didn't believe in dark matter? It's just made up. They're like, well, it essentially. Is. That's why it's called dark matter. Yes. Like it's just, dark matter is made up. Okay, let me explain this real quick. It's like mana. Because <laughs> I know it knows what it is, so we're just going to give it a name. Dark. You can't see in the dark. You can't see dark matter. The dark same matter. Like, this is a substance that is undetectable and it's un. Yeah, just undetectable. I don't know why I was trying to keep going with that. And they said that there is not enough matter in this galaxy and therefore not enough gravity in this galaxy. To hold it together, there should be planets and stars flinging out of this rotational galaxy. So they're like, oh, well, there, there has to be a lot more gravity out there. Mm-hmm. So they just but they can't account for it. And, and they can't and account for it, and they have no idea where it is or where it's coming from. So they're like, let's make there has to be this thing called dark matter out there, and that's what's holding all of the universe together. Because without it. Nothing is explained. The Big Bang falls apart. The galaxies it's fall not, apart. It's not the Big Bang fault. It's math falls apart. Like, quantum physics works when it comes to, like, okay. the universe because they have to have something. It mathematical model. That, uh, that's what I'm saying. It, it falls apart because... What did you learn? That's what I want to know. What it is that we don't need dark matter because we have this... Even though Newton is one of my heroes, we have been going with this Newtonian mindset about the galaxy for these... 300 years, approximately, of gravity is the essential force in all of the universe. It's not. It's electrostatics. That's what it, it's plasma. The wait, fact that, wait, hang on, wait, slow down. Are you saying gravity is plasma, or are you saying the most important thing in the universe is plasma? The most important thing in this universe that holds everything together is plasma. Okay, that makes more the sense than what you're saying. 99% of <laughs> the, the universe that we can see right now is plasma. And what that is, plasma is the fourth state of matter beyond gas. When you heat something up so far beyond the gas, it begins to ionize. The electrons become delocalized and they float around this matter freely. Fusion. That's what happens in nuclear fusion, right? Well, it, it, it's not... Yes, there there is plasma in stars, but even the gas clouds that we see that stars are formed in, that's that's a lot of plasma as well. That's around it. Okay. So what's going on? Statistically speaking, electrostatics can be 10 to the 35th to 10 to the 39th times stronger than gravity. So effectively, if you know anything about math, that pretty much renders nope. gravity useless. So what he's saying is that we can account for the loss or the lack of gravity holding everything together with electrostatics holding everything together. The fact that plasmas interact long distances a lot better than gravity does. Because Newton would say that it's the inverse square law that you divide the force of gravity by the distance squared. So essentially everything is so freaking far apart that gravity plays a nil role. Hmm. Okay. And that the electrostatics is everything. And you can Google 
the electric universe. That's really what we're getting at. But the universe isn't affected by Newtonian mechanics like we classically think. It's electric. Honestly, that makes more sense to me than gravity does because our brain is electric. And if everything is connected, that makes a whole lot of sense to me. Wouldn't that be? And that's also what Benjamin Franklin was trying to prove when he had the key on the kite. He was trying to prove that he would not be electrocuted because the electricity would disperse through the atmosphere. He was trying to prove that space itself is conductive. Hmm. And it is. Yeah. The fact that uh, anybody who who's an old radio ham, people sending out signals, has to adjust for the resistance of what I call the ether. I, I don't know why everybody hates that. It's the technical term. It's the old term. It's the chase term. Okay, fine. Do you want the modern term? I don't really care. Just the, keep talking. The quantum plas- <laughs> plasma vacuum. How about that? Ooh, that's that's major. Okay, the quantum plasma vacuum. Mysterious and magical, though. It does sound magical. It sounds like a place that you can go in your dreams. Is it a Dyson? Oh, oh, that God. was terrible. Go away. You're ruining this entirely magical. Ruin. You know that's you know that's my purpose. <laughs> can we just turn my, his mic off? We yeah, did. totally. I can mute him. Hang on. <laughs> and he's muted. Sweet. He's not muted. I'm not muted. Shut up. Um. <laughs> so, how does that account for um, black holes? Then that's kind of an interesting topic. They're saying that. Black holes are probably not real, and I think. But we know they're real. We have we no, like we, we don't know. But we real. do because we have like images of stuff being pulled into them. I mean, it's still it's X-ray images, but it's still images. I agree. We do have images of things that we think are being pulled into black holes, which we can only view indirectly. This is the same type of uh, problem that we have with the current dark matter that we can't view it. We can only see it indirectly. So. Like, oh, well, this force is here, therefore, it's some other thing. We're just okay. going to make up something matter. And Okay, so let's just go with black holes real quick. They're saying that the, the electrostatics, which are very, very complicated and unintuitive, if uh, anybody has any background in electrical mechanics or anybody who has a background in quantum physics has a pretty good idea that it's unintuitive. Nathan, you're a resident electrician. Unintu- for sure, unintuitive. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely unintuitive. In that I never would have thought of any of this. <laughs> <laughs> really smart people figured this crap out. And into them it's unintuitive. Okay. Oh, okay. The other point that I want to put out there is that Stephen Hawkins himself, upon his so-called retirement, pretty much was like, well, he, he LeVar Burton did. He's like, well, don't take my word for it. That's not what happened, though, well, because that, that got overblown. What he was saying was our current theories on black holes are somewhat misguided. He wasn't saying they don't exist, which is what everybody took it as. They're like, saying that there are these forces that are pulling things in. Yeah. Seth is holding up my book that was Stephen Hawking's The Universe in a Nutshell. It's the universe. It's in a nutshell. I like to read stuff, and I like to have differing opinions on things. No, I I wasn't trying to say anything against you about it. I just thought it was interesting that this was laying over here. And I was just, of course I was laying over there. Dude, I freaking love science and space, dude. I always wanted to be an astronaut. Here I am doing a oh, podcast. Man. Gosh. Yeah, you lucked out. You got the better deal. <laughs> you don't have to go to space and watch your muscles and bones deteriorate and pee out oh, heavy isn't calcium. That terrifying? Yeah. Another reason why they think that the DNA is garbage. Like if we evolved and our DNA pretty much functions under certain environments, why yep. in the world yep. when we go into a weightless environment does our body decide to say, well, 
you don't need calcium in your bones anymore. Once again, goes back to what I was saying. Does your brain have every possible scenario programmed into it? Because when you go into space, your bo- your bones start, like you said, and well, like we both said, your bones start to de- deteriorate, and you literally pee out your calcium. So that would disprove. I think that's a argument against evolution, though. Also, your brain adapts. I don't. I don't know about that. Um, your brain adapts to weightlessness too. And I don't mean like in the fact that your bones and stuff. I mean like it, it adapts to functioning in weightlessness. Because your uh, cilia and your ears would be yeah all messed up. Well, because they'd be they'd be useless because they would be pulling in every direction instead of you know down. You okay? I'm stressed. I had to burp. Stop <laughs> trying to do it in the microphone. You're <laughs> welcome, just, like, America. Th- just throws up the floor. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. Keep going. <laughs> it stinks. I don't want to keep going. <laughs> It smells bad in here. Oh my god, I threw up in seventh grade, and I think it was because I ate some bad bacon that morning. <laughs> and everybody was like, dude, dude, Chase, that was the smelliest throw up ever. <laughs> they couldn't have algebra class bacon in there anymore. Bacon stinks so bad. Yeah, they, they had to clear it out oh, for the whole that's day. That's ridiculous. Dude, yeah, oh man, it's like when I almost puked on you in history class. Yeah, I was popular in junior high. <laughs> I was that kid who threw up really stinky. <laughs> <laughs> so we haven't talked about mortality so much as we've talked about everything kind of around it. So when we talk about dimensions, you know, we talk about there being other dimensions out there. So what about what Chase said earlier where he was talking about, you know, there are these different dimensions with just nothing in them. What if that's where the soul exists and that's how we're walking around with the consciousness? What if it's drifting into us and we're just vessels? Hard to prove, but I mean, so hard to disprove. Well, it's li- it's just me talking, so it's, it's nothing. I'm just curious. Have you written yeah. a thesis? It's an interesting, <laughs> it's an interesting idea. Uh, so, like, kind of like what you're saying is like uh, what Chase was talking about earlier. Like what we talked a little bit about before was uh, the idea that uh, the brain doesn't create consciousness, but it's a receiver for consciousness. You kind of think the same thing about like yeah, the antenna. What if the soul? Well, I guess I don't know. And I don't want to say. I guess the soul could technically like be part of that somehow, like intertwined mm-hmm. somehow <laughs> with uh, your brain and you know. Yeah. Well said. I like it. <laughs> um, I, I was thinking the other day about how interesting it is. I'm not a doctor. What? That's why we hired you. I was thinking the other day how, how interesting it is that we're essentially a brain controlling a bodysuit. When you really get down to it, it's like a uh, Men in Black. I was thinking more Krang from Ninja Turtles, like walking around with that, like, he's oh, a brain man. inside of a little bodysuit. The galaxy's on Orion's belt. The galaxy is on Orion's belt, but we really are, though. We're like a brain that's just walking around, and we're using eyes to see, and we're using... But your body affects your brain, too, though. True. I mean, it's not a, it's not necessarily a one-way street. It's not. If you're sick, and if you're sick long enough, you, like, go crazy, and, like, there's all kinds of stuff. Is it because it's interfering with the connection? Yeah, well, and that's something that uh, Graham Hancock also talked about. Was, uh, cause he was, he was saying that, um, you know, the brain is a receiver for consciousness. He's like, but it's just like a satellite receiver. Like, if you break your satellite receiver, then the f- signal starts coming through f- wrong and stuff. He's like, so people that, like, suffer brain injuries, you know, they have these, like, you know, mental problems. He's like, that doesn't debunk the idea necessarily. Yeah. I, I don't saying. know. Like, it makes sense to me. Like, I, I like that idea. And I think it makes other things make sense. Like, what we were talking about, like, this kind of connectedness of, uh, consciousness that, you know, animals and people experience. Okay. Oh, um, oh, yeah, yeah. And I think it kind of helps explain that. Like, if consciousness is all coming from one source, it'd be like you and your sa- your neighbor both have a satellite dish or, like, both have, like, a ham radio or something, and you, like, were picking up, you know, signals that they were trying to pick up or something mm-hmm. like that, you know? That makes sense to me, but yeah. I'm not a scientist. And, again, it is hard to prove. That okay. makes sense. Yeah. 
It is really hard to prove. But so is a lot of other things that really so-called intelligent scientists like to put well, out. Well, they like, are intelligent. All right. Don't take away their intelligence. Okay. They are so-called they smart, are smart people. <laughs> I feel like Chase has a chip on his shoulder God, for intelligent people. We need a lot of Vulcans in science because we have this problem of these logical fallacies and these unempirically evidence-based so-called facts out there. They're, they're not even theories. They're just old people saying stuff. Specifically, the multiverse foam that continues out there, that we live in this infinite universe with infinite other universes out there. It makes no sense. What evidence do you have for that? Absolutely none. How could you prove that? You couldn't. This is be- this is as good as Richard Dawkins' sp- flying spaghetti monster. Prove the flying spaghetti monster. That was not his in any way, shape. Oh, it wasn't? No. Oh, no. sorry. A no, little, that was a little kid. Uh, well, he wasn't a little kid. He wasn't a kid. Like, that was a kid. college group. It was a project. Oh, okay. oh. I I know he talked about it in his God Delusion. Book. Well, yeah, no, he did talk about it because okay. he, he loves it. Well, it's essentially the same thing. Like the scientists like to disprove God. Richard because... Dawkins can't feel love. It's a fact. <laughs> Effectively, you can't prove that God exists. But I don't like the guy. To... But he is a bit of a reptile. Uh, yeah. Who, Richard Dawkins? Yeah. Just, I don't, I'm just not a big fan of him. He's so full of himself. I, I had to read The God Delusion in college, and by halfway through it, I was just smashing my head into the table because he's so like, well, in my opinion, and it was just all opinion-based, which is, that's fine. It's your book. You can do what you want. But he's he just kind of holds himself in this regard that's so much higher than everybody else. Oh, what's his name? There's a biologist that if you want to like read a very interesting, not- annoying as hell atheist uh you look at him i have to look at his name like scientifically is it, based uh, green, or is it just his name? something green no no no, no. was it just an atheistic ranting it's not an atheistic ranting okay. like he's actually he's like a he's a biologist he's an evolutionary biologist and he actually is very scientific about it very logical about it i got to Hang on, let me find his name. He uses the sand. I, I like that. I don't care who you are or what your belief is, as long as you are logical and scientific about your studies, you go about it using the scientific method, then we are going to be just fine. Yeah, if you're using the scientific method to figure stuff out, you're a scientist. Like, I don't even, I don't really care what you believe or who you are or, like, what your experience in life is. Like, none of that matters. Like, science is a method. That's it. It's not a club. It's not a church. It's a method. Right, and that's why I hate when people say, I don't believe in God, I believe in science. I'm like, what? what Then science is a God to you, isn't it? That's what it always sounds like to me. That's what it sounds like to me as well. Because you have to view science as, well, we could be believing something wrong. You can't view it religiously, just kind of uh, how it sounds to us, I guess, when people quote that. You have to go by, do we have reprovability? And you can have a theory, but if you can't uh, reproduce it in the lab, then then you have no evidence for it. And I just, I want to talk real quickly about E.O. Wilson. That's his name. How dude? Now, he uh, he spoke at USAO when I was there. Yeah, he's fantastic. Dude, his stuff was awesome. E.O. Really cool. E.O. Wilson. E.O. Wilson. You went, didn't you go with me to that lecture? What's O in the uh, military form? Echo Oscar. 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 Okay. Oh God, got it. Kill Echo it. Oscar whiskey. Seth, uh, you went to the lecture with me. I did go to the E.O. Wilson lecture. But, Chase, didn't you? I thought you went to the E.O. Wilson lecture. It must have been... I know Mary was there. He's brilliant. Yeah, he really is. Anyway, what were you going to say? What do you want to talk about? Uh, About the amino acids that are formed uh, in the experiment when you put, uh, like, 
typical gases like uh, amine. Uh, what is that called? Uh, amine? Amide? Amino. No. What? Ammonia. Oh. Ammonia and methane and all this stuff together. I don't know why I was like saying it, but I couldn't remember what the heck it was called. Anyway, the, the certain gases that they believe that the Earth had a long time ago. And I wish I could, I could quote the specific gases right now because that's really important. They did this experiment. They had these so-called primordial gases, and they passed an electrical charge through it, and they found uh, that it did produce amino acids. You're talking about the primordial chambers that um, what's his name made, where he would create a sealed environment, basically through a series of glass tubes, and then use electrical electrical charges and stuff. Uh, yeah, especially the blah 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 part. Yeah, that uh, that needed to happen. Shut up, science. <laughs> <laughs> so what science is that little? Blah, blah, blah. So they use this to. Prove that life spawned through electrical currents. I'm like, first off, you didn't make anything living. And secondly, that they didn't even use gases that were present on Earth. They used gases that would be present on other planets. So you could prove that, yes, amino acids can be produced on other planets. That is the only thing you can conclude from that study. So I, I, that's like, why do you make quantum leaps with your insignificant study? That's, you haven't proved anything. It's pretty rad, though. No, it's not. Quantum it is, is also pretty rad. Amino yeah. acids are really basic. Make one right now. Actually, they're acidic. I'm making so many in my body right I now. I mean, like, with your hands on purpose, <laughs> out of your environment, <laughs> not in your body. You're not what you have on you right now, make some amino acids. Let me acids, go get my Chase. taser, and I'll just tase the air, and I'll make some amino acids real quick. <laughs> That's all it takes. Well, that's all it took to make life. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> so you see what I'm going with? Like, yeah, like, and I've, I've heard of that experiment before. And um, Darwin's black box, which is like all based on kind of like what you're saying, like the uh, irreducibility the book? of, of Darwin's black box. What? The book? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he talks about that in that book. I read it. Um, I had a coworker who was like super creationist or whatever, and very conservative creationist, young Earth, you know, blah blah blah. And like, I was like, I don't know, man. Like, the Earth, like, seems old. And he was like, Well, he's like, you should read these books. I'm like, He hadn't even read the books. He was like, You should read them and tell me what you think about them. And I was like, Whatever. <laughs> tell so me what I, to think. I read like half of Darwin's Black Box, and then he had another one, and I never read it. Oh. But anyway, I, I totally he does like talk about it in that books book. I disagree with. Do what? I, I think it's really good for people to read books they disagree with. Yeah. Yeah. Or else you're just stuck in your own little world. It just takes a lot of self-control, and I don't really have that. Yeah, it does. You get a little angry sometimes. Well, not that. It, it's not that it makes me angry that I feel, like, threatened by it, but it's just, like, if I'm reading a book and I'm not just terribly interested in it, and I'm reading it purely because someone else gave it to me, I'm just probably not going to stick with it. <laughs> I understand that. It's just hard. And there's so many, it's like, I remember I was talking to you one time, and you were like, there's so many books out there, it's like, it's hard to, like, choose one, yeah, you that's know? True. That's kind of how I feel. Like, if I'm reading a book that I'm not super into, I'm like, I know that there's a book out there that I'd be loving right now, that I could be reading. That you'd rather be reading. You know, that's true. That Josh, you're the one who lent me the book, The Multiverse. Uh, uh, wait, no. I lent the one, the Parallel Universe book? Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, it wasn't called Multiverse. Yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah. It was about the multiverse, though. And yeah. that, that was one of the only books that I just stopped reading. I was like, I can't. I like that book. Well, yeah, except for the fact that it's garbage. 
such a douche. <laughs> we just went over that. They just think that there's infinite amount of universes. You think out there. it's garbage? That doesn't mean other people don't think it's garbage. That's other, right. Other people do think it's garbage. That means other people don't shut up. That doesn't mean <laughs> other people think it's garbage. Absolutely right. Other people don't think it's garbage. Doesn't mean it's not garbage. But it doesn't mean it is either. Just because you think it doesn't mean it doesn't make it so. None of it is even provable or empirically based. It's just hearsay. It's like going to say that uh, in 10 minutes... It sure does make the world more interesting, though, doesn't it? No, no, listen to this. It, 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 you're pretty much saying nothing. It's a statement that says nothing. If you say there's an infinite amount of universes, you're not saying anything at all because you have no evidence for it. Even if it is true, there's no evidence for it. Just like the fact if you said in 10 minutes, all clocks are going to go back 30 seconds. Well, if every clock in the entire world went back 30 seconds, you could never prove that. Because you can show me the papers that you have that describe exactly why you're right. You want me to write you a paper, Seth? No, I'm just saying. It's, it's, it's opinion. And I'm not, I'm not saying... It's not opinion. Not, There's not, no I'm evidence for it. I'm not trying to invalidate your opinion at all. I'm not. I'm just <laughs> it's not an opinion. Say. I'm just saying there's no evidence. That's fact. There's no evidence for infinite universes. And you have, you have documented sources to back up these I'm going to write you a paper that says there is <laughs> Do it. no proof. Do it. Oh, dear He's going to just write it on a piece of paper. I, I, I would, it's I impossible would, to, it'd be impossible to, to prove anyway. It's like saying, cause it's like the gold in Alaska thing. Like, if you're trying to say there's no gold in Alaska, you have to dig up the whole state to prove it. But if you say there is gold in Alaska, all you have to do is dig until you find gold. Saying there's like, there's no evidence for it would be impossible. Cause like, you have to search the world over and like, the all ab- you have to do is get one evidence. evidence. The evidence of absence. One evidence that there is infinite universes. And but the fact that we only live also in- it boils down to what you would accept as evidence, as well. That is true. Anything empirically based. <laughs> We're gonna have to cut out this whole section. <laughs> I was kind of thinking that, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> For like like ten minutes, and I'm probably like <laughs> just I'm just angry pl- ranting. I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, and getting Chase to get all pissed off and angry. You want me to? We talked about. This last week about a uh, uh, tenure and stuff. Like you, you need to yeah. write a paper. You need to have like this is just uh, bureaucratic garbage again. Like just because you don't have a paper doesn't well, make it's not true. Then let's just stop like talking saying, about it. Uh, we do need to stop talking about it. What I want to talk about is Nathan said last week he'd like to talk about patterns and how they play a huge deal in just intricate workings of the universe. And I don't know where you wanted to go with that because you said yeah we should I don't talk about that. Saying that at all. Uh, we talked about, I was trying to make the point that everything in the universe has a pattern to it. That, mathematically speaking, in the natural world, we can't find anything that's random. Mathematically, we can, based upon pi. That's the only thing that's random. What do you random. mean, like, in the natural world, we can't find anything that's random? Everything seems to have a pattern. We can predict where stars are going to be. Oh, yeah. We can predict where uh, galaxies are going to be. We can predict the shape of leaves, like leaves. If we want to get into biological things, it's even more fascinating because they all go by the Fibonacci sequence. That's, yeah, crazy weird. Why? Every living thing that we know of has some type of link to the Fibonacci sequence. You know the Fibonacci spiral? Mm -hmm. Sonic the Hedgehog follows the Fibonacci cycle. Spiral. Like he really does. I've spiral. seen like, like his yeah. spikes coming off. His no, head. just yeah, the way like his head the shape shaped. of his head and like the way it swirls around. It's like perfect, and that's why it's so pleasing to the eye. You look at Sonic; like, that's a beautiful hedgehog. And yeah, and a, but Gotta when a person fast. does it, it's like okay, well they could have done that on purpose. But what's crazy is like hurricanes. Hurricanes follow the Fibonacci spiral. Yeah. Why would a freaking hurricane 
follow the Fibonacci spiral. That's crazy. That's even crazier to me than like a, a shell or something. Which does follow the Fibonacci. Because it's yeah, such shells a huge, there's shells so the, much the prime going example into it. Like so much too. energy and matter swirling around. Like, why would that follow? Even, not even just the shape of things. The galaxies number do too. of leaves. Yeah. It's insane. On on uh, branches, like the angles that they're at, follow Fibonacci sequences. I, what? This is just mind blowing stuff. Why does everything living have this pattern to it? Why, Seth? Why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's I agree. The ultimate answer to everything. Game. I forget who I was listening to, but there was a comedian that was talking about why and how that is the most cre- like creativity destroying question that you could ever ask anybody. Like, what if somebody walked up to? Uh, That's um, why I'm so analytical because I ever ask is why. Did the Michelangelo, Michelangelo did the Holy crap, Michelangelo. Yeah, if you walked up to Michelangelo Sistine, while he was 16, laying on his sorry. laying on his back painting the Sistine Chapel, and we were just like, "Why?" Be like Michelangelo because. was not a fan of the uh, Catholic Church, and uh, he did things that the Catholic Church doesn't know about. Well, they know now, but well, it was a joke. But <laughs> <laughs> she took this joke way too seriously, Chase. Is that why he put so many dicks in it? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. He's like, all right, I'll do it. There's going to be a lot of dicks in here. (laughs) It's just going to happen. No, he didn't tell him. He's like, all right. And then they walk in with just naked people everywhere. And then everybody else was like, it's beautiful. He's like, what? This was supposed to and be then, a big joke. Guys. And then they I had a guy that was going to come, come. Then they had a guy that was going to cover up the dicks. And yeah. so, but he hated him too. So he's like, I'm putting God in a pink dress. <laughs> like, they, st- they couldn't get that Sistine Chapel ceiling right. <laughs> How long have we been going? Um, I'd like to go for another probably 15, 20 minutes if we can. 15, 20 minutes. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're talking about patterns, Fibonacci sequence. Fourth quarter! Right. It's time to rally, boys. <laughs> time to rally. Not if you're the Thunder. Oh, sad. Oh, oh. All right, let's just go home, everybody. No, we're we done. Go. We're out. I'm sorry. Yeah. Mic drop. Continue. Forgive me. I'm mad at the Thunder. <sighs> I'm mad at you for bringing up the Thunder. Anyway. I'm mad at you for being mad at me for bringing up the Thunder. You guys are tearing this family apart. <laughs> so, when it comes to mortality, just getting back to uh, the actual subject of tonight, mortality and stuff. So, when I just want to go around the room, not necessarily talking about like biblical stuff, but like when you die, one, what do you think happens? Two, what is your ideal? What is my ideal? Uh, yeah, like, like what would you want to happen? What would I want to happen? That's that's really ridiculous. It's inconsequential, but it's still fun. Right? Oh, why can't we talk I about guess, important things? On the I think that would be interesting. If does does everybody want different things when they die? I'm sure. I everybody, they all want what you want, Chase. You said it, so you go first. I want what you want, Chase. Yeah. You want you? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> no, I actually. Um, my ideal would be just like this, like hanging out with a bunch of people forever. That sounds awesome. God's there too. Typical just extrovert. Chilling. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, my sorry, my ideal isn't hanging out in a library forever reading books. That's so beautiful. Until I just the want to be in the Beauty and the Beast library. I'd want to become one. one with the universe. I mean, just still be conscious. Yeah, just be really part cold of everything, except for in little tiny specks. It's like fire. It's like God and Chase. You can just go away and never <laughs> return. That would be my ideal. <laughs> a universe yeah. without Chase. That's my that's idea. idea. I would like to go sounds, away and never and just, return. The more you say it, the better it sounds. He's got a really smooth voice. I anyway, think, so. Ahead, I think man. everyone's going to experience, I think, according to, like, all right, this is my ideal or whatever, but, like, I think the idea would be everybody experiences heaven and hell as a process. Um, so, like, to me, I think hell would be, like, God stripping away, stripping away, like, ego 
and stuff like that. Like, so things that take like years of like contemplation and thinking and like self control and like just the, the, the conscious overcoming of like ego in your life and things like that. Like enlightenment, if you want to call it that. Like, yeah. instead of that being a process that you work on, like, if that's not something that you ever work on in your life and you're just like a dick and everything or whatever and like you're super about yourself and that's it, then like at, in the afterlife, there would be like a stripping of your, of your ego from you. Like there would be this process where God would like take those things and like tear them away and like break them down so that there wouldn't, so you could be like the enlightened person that can like live with other people. And then like as people experience, like reach that place of enlightenment or whatever, then you get to come like live with everybody else, like in this super enlightened, like one with God, like one with each other. Um, communal experience like forever but until like people are in that place mentally or spiritually or whatever i don't think it's possible to live with each other any better than we do it like here on earth so like hanging out with other people forever doesn't sound like heaven for me unless that's part of it you know unless that's in the equation would that kind of be the fact that people have the quote that you know money doesn't make you somebody it just makes you more of who you already are is that a similar concept so if you're a bad person or a good person you have lots of money you just get even better or even worse would it be similar when all that is stripped away you have all that inhibition stripped away you're just left bare with who you are would it just be you in the raw not not necessarily well Maybe not you as you, maybe not you as you think of you now, like living in this state of like fear, like constantly being in fear of like not having enough, like, um, me versus everybody else. Like I've got to get my, but like you'd be living in a state of like abundance where like you don't have to worry about any of that. So like you don't have this like competition with other people and also like. So Nirvana? Yeah. Yeah. Basically. I mean, it's, it's really like an Eastern. What I'm kind of thinking of is like a very like Eastern like dismantling of the ego, yeah, yeah. Like Nirvana, like enlightening, like being enlightened, basically. So it's not that you're like stripped away of it's like who I believe people are supposed to be, but not necessarily who they are all the time. Yeah, there's a really cool part in Sandman if you any unless group. you believe that people are essentially good, and then yeah, it is. It's just us boiled down into like who we are. If you believe that people are essentially good, which I do, but I'm kind of in the minority on that. I'm, I'm on the fence. I don't know. There's a part in Sandman that I thought was really cool. Um, I don't know if you guys have read it. Nathan, you may have read it. It's Neil Gaiman's interpretation of hell, and there are three lords of hell. There's Satan, Lucifer, and Beelzebub. Um, and there are three separate entities um, that rule hell together. And at one point, Lucifer, the fallen angel, um, gets bored, I guess, and decides that he doesn't want to do his job anymore and doesn't want to be the lord of hell. And so he's like, I'm done. And so he checks. No, he checks out, and he, he basically just lets everybody go. Um, he's like, "Okay, so you've all been tortured and horribly maimed, all you know, for however long. So you can go." And there's this one um, warlord who's the last holdout in hell, and he's strapped to a rock, and like birds are eating his skin all the time, and he's got like horrible things happening to him nonstop. And Lucifer's like, "Okay, you can leave." And he's like, "No, don't don't you know what I've done?" And he goes into detail about all these horrible things, like the kids he murdered, um, the families he's ruined, the lives he impacted. And Lucifer makes the point that after so many thousands of years of time, no one even remembers him. Like he's not even a memory in history because it's been so long. But the thing that had happened to him was he had been stripped away of all the ideals, all the things that let him justify those things in his mind to do all those things. And he saw pure guilt. Yeah, and he saw it for what it is, and he wasn't even 
being tortured by hell itself. He was torturing himself. And those things were manifesting because he was making them happen for himself. Because that is a really interesting analogy. Yeah, that's a beautiful, like, philosophical image. Dude, Neil Gaiman. Yeah, he's awesome. And I think that, like, grace would definitely have to be part of it, or it would be a situation like that. Like, because I think part of, like, the breaking down of the ego or whatever would be, like, showing... You'd be able to see yourself and, like, the damage that you've done without your excuses, like, without your bullcrap. Like, you can't... Like, do, like basically what you're saying. But, like, that is hell unless, like, you have the capacity to forgive and unless you know that you're forgiven and that it doesn't matter and you're in a place where, like, you're past that and the damage that you've done doesn't matter anymore. But, like, if you continue to believe that, like, you aren't forgiven and that no one forgives you and you can't forgive yourself, then, like, knowing about your own faults, I mean, that's just, like, that's terrible. That's hell. Do you think making recompense would have any part of that, though? Like, paying for it? Yeah. I think everybody's going to pay for it. But I think, because I think that, like, the stripping of the ego is going to be, like, a really painful process. Like, the stripping of all that crap off of you. I think that happens to people just in the norm today. I think it's a painful process that people have to go through. And I think... I think so, too. I personally but I think this know is that that's painful. And maybe I still have a lot more to go, and that's going to really suck later. Yeah. I don't think any of us really knows. Um, and I don't think anybody of us can say, like, who am I to say that, like, you are. Like, what level of enlightenment is what I call it. But, like, that sounds super hippie and hippy-dippy. And Bro, you are a hippie. I am. But, okay, so, like, <laughs> who am I to say, like, what level of enlightenment someone else has achieved? Like, I don't know what burden you're carrying. Like, I, I don't know what it's like to live yeah. in your state of consciousness. Yeah. So, I would like to say what I think my heaven would be like. I think it would be the absence of striving for food, striving for, like Josh said, for love. Like, we would be in this more communal... I'm sorry. Did it's I, something like that, Josh. Did I say that? You would want an environment that you can hang out and do all this stuff, but a lot of people have to strive and work for that. Not everybody oh, is okay. as privileged as you are. i got to check my privilege. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. So, it would be the absence of having to to work physically for your food and necessity just to exist. So, you would be permanently existent. But it, you would be able to learn, you wouldn't know everything all at once, but be able to learn anything and everything at your own pace and not have a limit to your maximum capacity of knowledge. You would just be able to go on forever getting new revelation. I think that is one of the funnest things in my life. That's what I enjoy in life. It is a pretty awesome rush to like acquire some new knowledge that like blows your mind. Which yeah. is exactly how I felt when I was just talking about the plasma of the universe. Like, <laughs> oh my god. Really I... excited. <laughs> so when you look at this just that reminded me. When you look at the creation story like in the Bible or in the Torah, um and it talks it about the same. Yeah, there. I'm just saying. Okay. Um I could add the Quran in there too if you want. So when you look at the creation story, with the glorified bodies that Adam and Eve have and the way that everything is laid out, like they're not humans as we would know them today in this story. They are more. They can travel. They can do things. So do you think the full intent was always, the whole reason this universe existed was so that basically it could be a playground for people that can just go. They can just leave whenever they want. They can go where they want because they're not limited by the physicalities that we are burdened with today. I don't have a biblical answer, but I think if you look at it just like more or less logically, like I 
have no problem believing that, like, if humanity just got their crap together and just decided that we were just going to, like, love each other and, like, extend our empathy to people who aren't just, like, our immediate family or whatever, like, if we got better at that and, like, we learned to do that, if we could, I'm not saying we could, but if we could, I think we could do whatever we wanted. Like, we could explore space, we could, like, become an interplanetary species, like, I really don't think there would be a limit. Yeah, dude, I'm with you. Love is what it's all about. And so, like, in the garden, in that state where, like, everything's perfect and, like, people's relationship with each other and, like, with God and with nature and everything, all that's, like, in line, what what couldn't they do? It's fear is the enemy. I would agree. Fear. Fe- I think fear is the greatest enemy there is. Because fear causes all of these hardships. Fear of others, fear of fear of other ideas, fear, fear of, of other want. want, fear of death, all of it. Like, fear is the great enemy. Fear leads to anger, and anger <laughs> leads to hate. Dude, hate leads dude, to fear suffering. Is the mind killer. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, true words. Star Wars had it right, bro. Fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. I can't really comment on the original state of man. That's super complex, and this is it like is. my view on YouTube. It's either five minutes or an hour plus. <laughs> I can't just give a few quips real quick. But I want to talk about, have you heard that the Earth was designed to learn? Have you ever heard like it's it's a it's a Christian mindset that this this guy who wrote the book was a Christian. But I thought it was an interesting perspective that the moon was placed in just the perfect distance from the sun and under just the right size that it would shadow out the sun. So when we have a solar eclipse, the moon is going to pass in front of the sun and it's just the perfect size and the perfect distance where the ratios are exactly the same. And if it was any bigger or smaller in size or distance, then we wouldn't be able to see what we know today as the corona. So it blots out the sun, but we see these plasma and electromagnetic fields surging off of the sun. And without the moon blocking that out, we would never have been able to see that. And his argument is that God had placed the moon and the sun and the earth in just the right perspective so that we could find out about the electromagnetic spectrum and thus begin to learn more about the universe itself. I thought that was a really interesting perspective on who God is, that he designed us to learn and to discover. And for me personally, that's what I would want. I remember hearing somebody talk about the universe, like, talking about how humans are awesome because, like, with the rise of, like, intelligent consciousness, like, the universe became self-aware. The universe became, like, a self-aware conscious being, basically. Not that it's, like, actually, like, a god or, like, a... No, but it became whatever, something that is tangible and yeah. thinking. And I just it thought that was super itself. cool. It could examine itself and consider itself and, like, consider its purpose and, like, so our... It's trying to eliminate humanity. That's what I was going to say. I was like, that's actually terrifying because we would be seen <laughs> as cancer. So we should try and destroy the universe before it destroys us. Or find our place in it. Yeah. <laughs> Nuke the universe. <laughs> now, I'm actually with Nuke Nathan on this. Like, a line. We are the universe, dude. Free- think about it. Like, we are the, like, are, we have the highest form of consciousness that we know of out there that we can prove. Uh, so, oh, God. I was totally going somewhere with that. Oh, I was on a roll, too. I was so excited. <laughs> I could see it. It was coming, and then it was just gone. <laughs> we need a trigger word to make him mem- remember it, you know? So. Go ahead. I wonder. So, are you kind of, like, saying that. Almost like the Eastern philosophy of chakras, like everything just needs to be aligned. What? That was like a huge joke. Oh. No, because yeah. he was saying, no. I'm not saying necessarily on what he was just saying when he lost his train. And not even like necessarily talking about chakras, but like finding balance. Like there has to be balance. 
Like, if we're, if we're like, eat all the fish and use all the oil, like, then what the heck are we supposed to do? You know? And it's like, there has to be balance. Like, we have to, like, figure out a way to live on the earth and, like, keep going. You yeah. Know? Isn't it interesting that in order to live, we have to kill things? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the amazing way amazing fact of life that in order for humans to live, things have to die. Whether you're a vegan or whether you're just a good old-fashioned Ron Swanson. Ron Swanson. So, in a book that I'm reading that I talked about lots of times last week... Um, there is this creature from another dimension um, that is talking to humanity, and he refers to Earth as dead world because everything that we do involves death, whether we want to or not. Yeah. We kill the land we're on. We consume the flesh of other creatures that are doing nothing to harm us. Um, that's the way he puts it. Not that I believe that. Um, Killing the other things that I would want to kill first. And so that's that's kind of what he, he his argument is this alien's argument is that we are dead creatures on a dead world like killing more things. It was very it was very bleak is what it what was. What book is this? John dies at the end. And yet life We also have away. a pretty incredible ability to like give rise to life in situations where like it wouldn't have been there before. I mean, you know, the fact that we have like an agricultural society and like we can just be like, okay, we're going to put crops here and then we're going to put crops here and we're going to put crops here and like now there's stuff growing all over the place where like it wasn't growing before or like uh, we were talking about Ted Nugent before yeah. we started the podcast and like how he's a big conservationist and stuff like that. He's got like, you know, species of animals that are native to Africa, but he's got more of them in Texas than are actually like in Africa. Yeah. You know, so, like, we have a pretty incredible ability to, like, maybe not create life from nothing, but certainly um, um, advance the cause of life and usher it along and help it out if we want to. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just like we talked about earlier before the podcast also. Right after that conversation, we talked about the Sierra and the 13 countries in Africa that are going to try and make a band of 50-mile-wide trees to block the advancement of the Sahara Desert. Which yeah. is such a smart idea on so many different levels. Well, but it goes back to what he's saying about man and nature and just everything getting in alignment because we're working, we're using nature to stop nature. We're fighting fire with fire. We're using a natural remedy to a natural problem instead of creating like a big wall or something like that. That would create more problems, you know? Well, finding a balance, I think, would be important for a certain amount of time. But according to the law of entropy, there's only so much work that can be done in this universe. Eventually, we will go to what is deemed a heat death. Eventually, all work that can be done in this universe will be done, and everything will be these cold, distant pieces of rock not interacting with each other, and everything will be very near absolute zero. Because entropy is constantly increasing. Energy is constantly flowing towards entropy. And eventually, everything will die. Everything's so brutal. Wait, wait though, but Ugh. that's that theory only covers the physical though, because that also doesn't cover higher planes of existence. Okay, yeah. So that's that's what I, I'd like to point out. Like, are we on a higher plane of existence, or are we just going to die out? I don't know. I think we'll, we're. I mean, we'll I think that we out can. A way around it. So the effort to ultimately save mankind may be futile in the fact that, well, everything's going to die. No, man. The uh, the ultimate goal of mankind should be as to ascend from this plane of existence into a higher one, to become something better than we are. That should be our goal. Because if we do that, there's no limit to what can happen. Is it the Tower of Babel? No, it's... I mean, I'm talking about, like, a place no, of love but, and well, glory. Yeah. But that's not the point. <laughs> 
No, that's not. That's not all I was saying. Um, I'm saying that oh. nobody gets you, Josh. I'm sorry, man. I just want you. To, I just love you guys. I think you're so, so genius. Nobody understands. He's a genius. <laughs> yes, I'm not a genius. Um, I don't know. I just think we should strive for a higher plane of existence. And I'm not the first one to say that by any means. You guys. So you know don't that. mean like a higher dimension of existence. You just mean being all around better, more caring, more selfless people. I think that's where it starts. I think starts. that's, yeah, no, exactly. Crappy. I think that's the start. And uh, no, I think Don't will, be jerks all the time. That's I think, a good place to start. I think it starts there and then it goes somewhere else. I think we can ascend to another plane of existence. And I don't, you know, maybe we have to die to do that. You know, maybe when, like, if we're going to go with, like, the biblical sense, when we have, like, glorified bodies at the end of time, you know, maybe that's what that is. I don't know. I'm just saying... I think there's more to this universe than we can more see or experience. Yeah. We're and, just Transformers. And that's kind of one of those things, they like, if it turns her. out not to be true, like, that's a lie that I'm willing to believe because it yeah. makes life so much more interesting and better, like, and exciting, and, like, gives you something to look forward to, you know, and it makes it feel like there's a direction. It's, like, it's worth the effort, even if it doesn't work out. Can I bring up Batman? Yeah. Yes. Always. There's Always. never an excuse to not bring up Batman. Okay. So there was a Batman episode back in my uh, single-digit years. So the good Batman show. Absolutely. I can't remember what the villain's name was, but he took Batman and he put him in a sedative state that gave him everything that he ever wanted, essentially. He had uh, a girlfriend that he was going to marry or something like that. His parents were still alive, and it was perfect. But he began to realize that he was in a dream state based upon the output of the newspapers because all the letters were jumbled up. But he realized that his brain only functioned in this form in a dream state. Essentially, he realized that he was dreaming, even though everything was perfect. That's a really good episode, but, by but the way. he decided to go back into reality because he would rather live in reality struggling so hard just to exist than to live a lie. And it's funny that you brought that up, Nathan, because I was just thinking about Batman on my way home from work today, and I thought of that Batman. episode. That's a really good episode, and yeah, it's because he can't. He's in his library reading, and he realizes, yeah. like, hey, these letters are all screwed up, and he's like, this isn't real. So I think that's a good question. Would you rather live a lie that's perfect, or would you rather live reality that's imperfect? I think humanity lends itself more to free will. Like, we want to be able to choose our own screw-ups if we can. It's kind of like the end of... Um, World's End, where we're offered this... I mean, spoilers, for those who haven't seen World's End. I have not seen that movie. Spoilers, where we're offered this choice at the end of, you can live in this perfect galactic tribunal, but you have to choose to give up some of your personal freedom. Or, you know, you can be kind of thrown out into the cold. And I won't tell you what we choose, but it's interesting. And it's kind of that same kind of thing. We humans want to be able to make our own mistakes if we can. That just we're, kind of spoiled everything. No, I didn't say anything. We're stubborn, is what I'm saying. I'm stubborn. I'm stubborn. Well, I'm not. <laughs> yes, you are. That was... Nuh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw a really... Okay, so I saw a poster. Uh, it was it was essentially a billboard for um, prostate exams, like encouraging men to get them. And it said, like, 40 million men die every year from stubbornness. And someone spray-painted under it. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I figured for however long man has been alive, that they haven't been getting rectal exams until this past two centuries, so I figured, I'm going to die anyways. You just let him figure your butthole, man. Everyone's doing just it. Just a little bit. Oh my god, my friend that I work with... I don't like where this he... is going. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
friend that I work with, he's in the Army National Guard, and he's part of the Health Sciences Division, and part of their medical training, they had to do lots of stuff, like uh, cut the artery in goat's legs and then stop it from bleeding and save its <laughs> life. And But one of the things was that anything that you have to administer to someone, you have to get done to yourself. So they did, like, dental exams and such. But you see the logical place I'm going with this is prostate exams. So he had to essentially get one in order to get his certification. He had to get one to give one. Yeah, yes, exactly. So there was a bunch of uh, National Guard recruits. I'm glad there's more to this story than just that part. With fingers up their butts. And that is the weirdest thing I've ever heard in Probably the Army. not the first time. Never mind. Oh, not, not you heard it here first, folks. Oh, no. So there wasn't more to that story. I was really hoping that there was going to be something beyond that, but no. no. Just... There, there was no anecdote at the end. It was... So we went an hour and 18 minutes today. Do we want to sign off here? We good? Yep, let's yeah, do let's do it. All right, guys. This has been Black Mesa Radio. Next week, join us and we'll be talking about some other nonsensical things and hopefully some space topics as well and everything in between. So that's it for this week. Stay classy. See you, everybody.